Well, you may go ahead and turn in your Bibles today to Mark chapter 16. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 8. I can't pick you up, baby. I'm sorry. You can stand here, but I can't pick you up. Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. This is the ending of Mark. This is, this is everything. This is what we celebrate. And so let us read together. If you are able, I ask that you please stand for the reading of God's word today. It says this, When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they may go and anoint him. And very early in the, next, the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, has already been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man, dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is a place that they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. This is the word of the Lord, and together we say, thanks be to God. You may be seated. Heavenly Father, as we dig into your word today, as we celebrate and rejoice over this passage that is supposed to bring us hope, I pray that your Holy Spirit may come down and work within our hearts and our minds and our ears so that we might hear fully your word. Change us, Lord. Challenge us. Equip us. We pray this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So this, this passage, you'll, you'll notice I stopped. Some of you, depending on what kind of Bible you have, you will notice that I, I cut off half of verse 8. And then many of you will have way more than that. You'll have verses all the way through verse 20 in the ending of Mark. Now some Bibles may say this is the shorter ending, and then some will say this is the longer ending. Mark is a very unique book. It's a very short book. It's a very quick-paced book. And it is the first of the Gospels that was written. And he wrote it for a very specific purpose. To get the good news going. To get it out there. This is what he says at the very beginning. This is what Mark says. If I can get there here. Ah, there we go. The beginning of the good news of Jesus, the Son of God. The whole point of this book, the beginning of the good news. And so we end here, and, and Mark has what I would call three different endings. We have the ending that I read, where it stops with the women at the tomb being told by the angel to go and tell the disciples, but then they leave in terror and amazement and tell no one. We'll get to that one in a second. 
And then we have the shorter ending where then it says that then they went on and they told the disciples and, and then uh, God, uh, Jesus sent them out into all the world. A very nice little quick ending. And then we had the longer ending, which then goes into a whole lot more about uh, Jesus appearing to Mary Magdalene and then to some of the disciples and then all the rest of the disciples commissioning them, sending them out. Three different endings. So which one do we use? Which one do we talk about? Which one is real? Well, they're all real. We should talk about all of them. But we're only going to talk about the first one today. Because this one, this is something that I want us to focus on. Because so often on these days, we, we celebrate, we, we are happy, but we know the story. Some of us know it really, really well. Some of us have been told this all of our lives. And so when we come to Easter Day and we hear Jesus is risen, he's not here, we say, uh, yeah. Instead of, oh my goodness, what? He's not dead? This is the point. They thought he was dead. They went and bought spices and herbs to anoint his body. If they thought by any fraction of a part of them that he was going to be raised from the dead, they wouldn't have wasted the money on something that was useless. They had completely in their minds that he was dead. And so they get to the tomb, and they're flabbergasted. They're, they're just, they, they don't even know what to do. They are just utterly amazed and filled with terror. The, the word I like is dumbfounded. They, they were probably dumbfounded. Now, Amy and I have been dumbfounded a bit over the past couple of months because my, my wonderful, lovely son, he has this particular habit. Hi. Yeah, you know. You know you're a stinker. He's up here waving, grinning. He knows. He does things in such a sneaky way that it dumbfounds us. We have a couple of coasters that were made by uh, Reverend Hardy's wife. Uh, he was a DS uh, back a couple years ago. Made by his wife. And, and we, we have them up on our nightstands. And they have two different patterns on them, right? And we'll come up and I'll look. I, I, I thought I had that one. Like, it's not a big deal. But I thought I had that one. And then we'll come up a, a couple days later and... That's changed again. Who keeps changing these coasters? He just wanders upstairs and, oh, I'll put this one over here and I'll put this one over here. And then now his new thing is going into the bathroom and taking the toilet paper roll and switching it so that it rolls, well, what some would say backwards from the way that it's supposed to. And so, so we'll go and be like, Christopher? Like, one, when did you do this? Two, how did you do this? Like, you have to take it off the spring-loaded thing and put it back on. Like, what are you doing, kid? He dumbfounds us. I think we, we think we're going crazy. And I think we need to get a little bit of that dumbfoundedness again today. I think we need to have a little bit of dumbfoundedness of how someone could be killed and then raised. That's amazing. And yes, I know, I know in my head that it's because we serve a God who can do anything. But that's still amazing. That's just 
beyond comprehension. And so we need to get a little bit of dumbfoundedness today when we start to think about this. We need to look at this and say, okay, so if this is the original Mark ending, if, if Mark truly ended it with saying, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid, what do we do with this? The actual, it's, it's even more complicated than this. We make it sound nice in the English, but in the Greek, Mark actually ends with the word because. And so it says something to the sort of, and they said nothing to anyone, and they were afraid because. Because. What do we do with that? Because this isn't the end of the story. Remember, Mark starts his gospel. This is the beginning of the story. He's not trying to create the end. He knows this isn't the end. By the time he's writing this book, so much has happened that he says, I can't end this story about Jesus because it's not done yet. Because for Mark, it is now our story to tell. It now becomes something personal for us to share, something for us to live out, to experience, to be dumbfounded by, to be afraid by, to be astonished by. It now falls on to us to continue writing the rest of this book in our own lives, in our own communities, our own households and workplaces. And it's our job now to tell a story that is so utterly crazy that people are dumbfounded or terrified, or amazed, found speechless. Now, for some of you who might be struggling a bit because we're ending with this idea that the women went and told no one because they were afraid, hold on there because it's not that they didn't tell anybody, but that the way this sentence is structured, they're saying they didn't tell anyone beyond whom they were instructed to tell. So they went and told the disciples, but they didn't tell anyone else because they were just amazed and afraid. Think about it. You, you have this news about someone who was dead. Like, everyone knew he was dead because Jesus was hung right on the main street. Like, that would be like going down to East Superior, and everyone who drives by sees that Jesus is crucified, and he's dead. He's beyond dead right? And everyone sees it. So now, Yovan, you come along two days later and says, hey, Jesus is alive! People are going to think you're a little crazy. She's been drinking that Pine River water. She, she's going a little nuts. You got to filter that stuff out, Yovan. Like, that, that's what they were afraid of. If they start going around town, they're going to say, no, Jesus is dead. We saw him. Everyone saw him. No, he's alive. He's alive. He is risen. Amen. We, we yes, you are. Yes, you are. And I appreciate that. We, we need to, we need to, within our lives, continue to tell this story. And yes, maybe they should not have been afraid. 
to tell others. But you know what? I know there's been times where I've been afraid to tell others. I know that there's been times where I've been a little scared of what people might think if I was to tell them. There's one time, particularly in high school, where there's this, there's this, well, we, okay, set the scene here. I'd get to school early because I was a nerd, okay? I, I had nothing else to do with my life, so I'd get to school early just to hang out and do whatever. They had served breakfast for those people who'd get breakfast, and there was this girl who was eating table all by herself. In high school, the only reason you eat by yourself is because no one else wants to eat with you. That's just kind of how it works, especially for breakfast. Now, lunch might be something different. You might be studying or whatever. But for breakfast, the only reason you're sitting in the cafeteria eating by yourself is because you have no friends. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, go sit and go talk to her. And I was too afraid to do that. I was too afraid. And I never got the chance again to talk to that girl. I never saw her again. Now, we didn't have a very large high school, but for whatever reason, I could not find her again. And that haunts me to this day. Because I think, I was too afraid to talk to someone. What if she needed someone to sit down and tell her some good news today? We, we must learn to live with that. To not be afraid. And when we do get afraid, when we do make the mistakes, that's okay. That's part of our story, right? That's part of what we get to write down. How many times did the disciples make mistakes in here? They were still making mistakes. The whole reason Jesus was alone because the disciples made mistakes by abandoning him, right? Our story isn't about being perfect. It's about learning from our mistakes and letting God change us and grow us through them. And so today, we end with this story so broken, so messed up, so not right. Because now it's our story to tell. And as broken, messed up, not right people, we get to continue to share with others about how Christ is risen about what Christ has done, and to let that feed us and feed others, to share with terror and amazement. One of the other things I thought of when I, when I was reading through this was this idea of, of terror and how something so good could fill you with terror, right? You think if something good happens, you should be happier. Then I thought... I remember when we brought Elizabeth home from the hospital. The single most terrifying day of our lives was loading up this two-day-old baby in our car, and I have to drive from downtown Lansing back to our house. And I'm thinking, they're letting me take this child. Like, they're not stopping me from taking this child and putting this child in my car. They're, they're not stopping me from driving away. What am I doing? I have this child. Like, she's so little, so frail. I'm pretty sure I drove like 25 the entire way home because I was just so terrified. It's a wonderful thing. A baby is a wonderful thing. But it filled me with such terror. 
And I think often that that might be what they felt. They, they, they were so amazed and so terrified because they thought, this is so precious. This news is so wonderful. This news is so great. And now it's been entrusted to me? Now I have to hold it? It's like a newborn baby. And what, it, what happens if I mess up? What happens if I drop it? What happens if I don't, don't feed it right? Or what happens if I don't change the diapers right? Or what happens if it gets a cold? Or... And it filled them with terror. But they overcame that, right? Just like parents overcome the, the fears of having their first child. By the time you get to number three or four, you're like, <laughs> get in there. Guys, hold your, hold your sibling. We're going to go and you speed off 70 miles an hour. You know, I mean, it changes a bit. At least that's what my sister says that has four of them, you know. Uh, so, and this plays into our lives. As we grow, as we learn, as we practice, as we continue to tell that story, it becomes easier. It becomes more natural. We are filled with less terror and amazement. And so we continue to work at it. And we continue to write the story because it's not done. Even today, it's not done. Mark is waiting for us to add our chapter in the book of the good news of the glory of God. Ouch, and that hurt. So let us, let us do what we can to tell the story. Let us not be afraid. And when we find ourselves afraid, let us allow God to forgive us for when we don't do. Sometimes that's the hardest. It's not the fact that God forgives. It's the fact that we have to let God forgive us. Just like the disciples had to let God forgive them for abandoning, especially Peter. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. But it's not the end. It's not the end. We, we know it's not the end. We have, we have Acts and Romans and 1st, 2nd Corinthians and Galatians and Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians and 1st and 2nd Thessalonians and I now have lost my track. I can't remember offhand. We have the rest of the books and then we have our stories. We have our history. Pastor Jessica's been studying a lot of that history in her class and she's hearing of good examples of Christians and bad examples of Christians and she's learning more about what it means. One of the ways in which we share this story, one of the ways in which we share this, this most terrible and amazing thing is through the continued process, the continued remembrance of the Lord's Supper. You see, this is, this is the thing that, that comes about that is just utterly amazing because it's, it's just bread and juice. And yet it's so much more. 
because it's a table in which everyone is welcome. It's a table in which everyone comes together and are equals. And where we celebrate the God who was killed and raised again. Because. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him who earnestly repent of their sins and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us prepare our hearts to be God's sanctuary. Thanks and praise fill our hearts, Almighty God, for you are the Lord of creation and new creation, of covenant and new covenant. You bought your people out of slavery to freedom in the promised land, and you brought your son from the depth of death to the glory of resurrection life. And so we gladly thank you with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, singing the hymn of your unending praise. Let us say this together. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Joy and gladness are your song, are our song, redeeming God. For in your conquest of death, we see the destiny of every hope in you. Come among us in the power of your Holy Spirit, that your children may be blessed with power and grace, and that this bread and cup may become for us the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, who at the supper with his disciples took bread and gave thanks to you. He broke the bread and gave it to them, saying, Take it, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took the cup. Again, he gave you thanks and gave it to his disciples, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Great is the mystery of our faith. Christ, Christ has, has died. died. Christ, Christ is risen. Christ, Christ will come again. Hope and glory are our breath, merciful God. For you have rolled away the stone of despair, the stone of oppression, the stone of lament, the stone of grief, the stone of death, the stone of sin, the stone of fear. Come and stand among us and breathe on us your eternal life. That all who labor, all who stumble, all who hunger and all who fall short, meet, all who fall shall meet you in the breaking of the bread 
and be filled by your touch. Shape your church to be your risen body. Make our scars beautiful like your scars. Make our lives life-giving like your life. And make our communion holy with your saints. Until you come again in glory and we eat with you in your kingdom. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, ever one God. Amen. And now with the confidence of children of God, let us pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body. For we all partake of the one loaf. And the bread which we break is a sharing in the body of Christ. The cup over which we give thanks is a sharing in the blood of Christ. And so let us receive communion today. As always, you may come forward when your hearts are ready. Make sure to grab both cups. And then you may receive the elements again when you are ready, either here at the altar rails, in the seats, or back in your own seat. So let us come together and share this table.
eternal God, we give you thanks for the holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go in the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves to others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. As we close today, let us sing together the song, Come, people of the risen King. We are a people not of a king of this world. We are not a people of a king that died. We are a people of a king who is risen today. Alleluia. Christ is risen.
Heavenly Father, we thank you today because you are risen and you are a great God who has power over life and death. And we are not a people of this world. We are not a people of any government. We are a people of your kingdom. And that means that we have power beyond this world. We have life and hope and eternity because of you, your risen son who was raised today for us, O oh Lord. And we give you praise for that May we always, every day, sing Alleluia, Christ is risen in our hearts. And may we not forget that the story did not end. But because he was risen, we have a story to tell. Love divine, in raising Christ to new life, you open the path of salvation to all peoples. Send us out with the joy of Mary Magdalene to proclaim that what we have seen, that the Lord is all, so that all the world may celebrate with you in the banquet of peace. Amen. God the Father, in the name of Jesus Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit, now sends us out to make Christ-like disciples. Go in the grace of God. And before you go, my children have some stuff for all those who want them. Go in the grace of God. God bless you.